Hey pals, ever notice how the hood ornament on a 1986 Lincoln Town car looks an awful lot like a sniper sight? Kind of makes you wonder what was going on in the designer's life at the time and if he ever sought the help he or she needed. Neil, when was the last time you felt like you were in the crosshairs? Well, normally at the start of each episode, when you ask me a random question, of which I know nothing, and I've got to come up with some sort of witty response. Well, there you go. Asked and answered. John, did you ever play Crossfire? Nope. No idea what that is. It was a game that had like the BBs and you would shoot them back and forth and try to knock the thing back. Uh, and, kind of like really aggressive hungry still hungry. Still no. I, I now know what it is, but the answer is still no. I was fascinated by that as a kid. <laughs> I always wanted one of those and never had it. So it's, it's, it's my kind of like my uh, Power Master Optimus Prime, I guess you could say. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> Crystal, did, how much did you enjoy Mrs. Doubtfire? Be honest, you're just in a safe place. I like that movie. I like where he puts his face in the cake so it looks like he's got a mask on. Mm. <laughs> That's the fun part. We know and where your humor falls points into are. Her coffee and she laughs. <laughs> well, it's I'll a tell little cappuccino. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you what we're not going to get in, in this movie that we're talking about is a drive-by fruiting. No, ah, we will get legitimate gun shooting. We get lots of like just regular straight up fruitings. Oh yes, man, regular fruitings, not not cowardly drive driving by. You walk right up and you fruit the guy. <laughs> yep, from where I come from. I like what Sally Field yells at him the whole time, the whole time, the whole time. We have to go. We have to leave. We have to go. <laughs> She's the best. So George, what her. are you saying? It's not a good movie. What are you I don't know. All right. I, I, don't judge me, but I've never been the biggest Look who's Robin in Williams the cross fan. Hairs now. Never been the biggest Robin Williams <laughs> yeah. fan. I respect his work, but I just I don't find his humor very. It's never really been my humor. So I gotta go. My favorite line of the whole movie is to drive by fruiting, <laughs> and that's pretty much that's pretty much the high point of it for me. It's really funny. Well, I think he was an excellent actor. I'll say I liked him in his serious things, dramatic stuff. I, I, yes. I liked him in Death to Smoochie. I just didn't like his comedy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, sometimes it would get, I mean, let's, let's face it, it would get a little obnoxious at times. A little intense. A little I don't much. think he would have denied that <laughs> by any means. I think it was absolutely intentional to be a little mm-hmm. bit over the, overbearing and kind of coming at you a thousand miles an hour. But uh, Yeah. Does, I loved did, him in What Dreams May Come. That was one of my favorites. <laughs> uh, he, was a, he was a good, he was a thoughtful, very thoughtful actor, I think. So... I've always liked him in that sense, but yeah, I can only take so much of the comedy of, of Robin Williams as well. There we go. Rest, well, rest in peace, Robin. Uh, yeah, rest in peace. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's funny because there is a little comedy moment in this in this minute that we're going to get to in a second. But uh, the first thing we've got uh, to do, George, is tell the listeners what is happening in this minute, uh, minute 120. We open this minute with John taking inventory of his life. And close a minute later with the portrait I am determined to recreate for a Christmas card one day. All right. And uh, I would like to say happy Friday to everyone and welcome back to the listeners. And thank you very much, um, John and Crystal, for coming back one more time. I'm glad to be here. It's been a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. All right. And um, so... Last minute, he checked, uh, McLean checked the magazine out of his big gun 
now he's checking the, the magazine out of his little gun. And George, I wanted to ask you, did you um, check out these guns on the gun website that Crystal recommended to you? Uh, you mean the International Infinity Movie Firearms Database? I mean, yes. I mean, not really. One's a Beretta 9mm and the other, I think, is a H&K submachine gun. It's not really like, you know, right. crazy. Yeah, they're no basically standard, standard fare. Right. So, okay, fair enough. Well, I mean, my question on this is why, so he's, he's now checking his handgun. Why does he pull the bullets out? Because to show us how many bullets he has. To show us, and also yeah, it's no, hard to check how many you have in your uh, clip if you just pop the clip out. So he's eject, he's clearing out the clip so he knows specifically how many bullets are in there. Because uh, well, it's very hard to look at the clip down. in the dark to like just to see that you have like two bullets left. Right. Because it could be Got more. Got to double underneath. check. Yeah. Right. And of course, obviously, it's to show us the audience that he has two bullets what's left. Going on, yeah. Right. Okay. Fair at this enough. point, at this point, we're pretty much done with the McLean monologuing. Uh, mm. We don't want him going. Only two bullets left. Come on, what are you doing, John? What are you doing, John? It's time to actually give us give us visual like exposition as opposed to him like explaining yeah. it to us. Show and I would tell. do that too. Yeah, you Check want to be absolutely yeah. yeah. Visual confirmation. That's you know this is a really important thing he's about to do here. He needs to make sure he's got all the information. Mm. This one's for all the marbles. I like how on his wrist we can see the names that he wrote down much earlier in the movie. That's that's good. Continuity. More continuity that our department. Yeah, yeah. That's mm -hmm. what I, that was one of the main things I was alluding to earlier when I was giving shout outs to the art department and the continuity people is that mm. not only not only are they on there. But they're they look like they've been on there for the exact amount of time. Yeah, like the, the ink is faded, and you could tell that yeah. you yeah. wrote it on there with Sharpie, and this, you know, yeah, it's just sort of spread a little bit, and it's yeah. it's washed away a little bit, but not a lot. It's sort of faded a little bit, but yeah, it's really nice touch. I like the fact you cannot like even been... see. I think his watch is broken. Like at this point, it's not even like I think the screen is the the face is cracked. I like that McLean has the classic uh, again, very popular in the eighties. Turning the watch downward on your yeah. wrist. Yeah, I don't you can know. Flip the wrist up to look at it. Well, that's, I think that's kidding. a military I... thing. That's like a cop thing. So you don't have to like flip your arm over to look at it. if you're holding your gun. You can keep, t you know, you can see yeah. it without having to like readjust your hand position. Who checks the time when they're trying to pursue a bad guy? You never know. You might want to give it ten seconds and then go around the corner. So you got to know what ten seconds is. Interesting to know. Yeah, I've never thought of it that way. As a kid, in, at the time that this movie came out, I can guarantee you, I was wearing my swatch this this way. I did, I wore my watch this way because <laughs> I thought it was super cool when I was like 13 years old. You know, so uh, well, um, it was the it 80s. It just seemed job. like a cool thing to do, and it was the 80s, so I had a like neon looking swatch. You didn't have like five fists. of them you'd wear on your wrist. Mm -hmm. I couldn't <laughs> afford five of them, but I did have a bunch of those. They had little rubber. Uh, uh, face guards. Yeah, you can swap you out. Yeah, change about? the colors. I, I would have a couple oh, yeah. of those on there and stuff. Definitely had a swatch. I had like a swatch with like the clear back that you could actually see the stuff inside of it. Yes, mine had a clear back. You could see all the workings. Um, it was it was pretty radical. You guys are cool. We are cool. <laughs> well, I didn't have a watch. Not anymore. You don't still have the watches. Oh, that's a lie. I had a lot of Quicksilver watches because I was a surfer. Remember? No, no Billabong. Right. No, not, not a 
a fan of Billabong. I had a couple Billabong flip flops, but I was a uh, Roxy. It's interesting. Girl. It's isn't the the uh, Roxy and Quicksilver. But when I was living in Florida, Billabong was like the brand. That was like it wasn't just like a surf thing. It was like the cool kids always had Billabong jackets, and that was like what was like cool. And then you get up like my cousins in Georgia, town and country was like the big thing, and that's what you had. And then you get you know further north, and I guess it was more. Uh, uh, Roxy girl. Well, that's also generational because, you know, I'm older than you are. Yeah, old man. Yep. George, you've never been a Roxy girl. Oh, in my heart, Neil. In my heart. <laughs> well, so he's coming up with a plan. Uh, now he knows he's got two bullets. And this is the little comedy bit that I, I mentioned earlier. You know, we cut to the Christmas tape and we get this little musical twill which seems a little out of place, but actually, I don't, I don't know. It's just, does it take you out of it a little bit? This little no. I think anyone who says thing? this is not a Christmas movie has never listened to it well, because there are Christmas right, carols right. ingrained in every single frame. Yeah, I love well, it. I think it's like a bizarre. It almost gives you the feeling like it's the Christmas tree. He's looking. I mean, you get the white. There's a wide shot that has a Christmas tree in the in the foreground on the right side, and you have mm. a Christmas present sitting right there, and. Then they cut to this close-up, tighter shot of the Christmas present and the tape, and then a much closer shot of the tape. I think it's almost saying in a weird way, here's a here's a present. Here's the here's a present yeah. of an idea, a gift to idea of Definitely. an idea for you, John. Tape this thing to your back, you know? And it just has this Christmassy feel, and it does have with with the little musical um tonal switch here, it gives you just a little bit like a hey, it's kind of a joke here. I mean this is a good mm. idea, but it's not. It, there's a little humor behind it. I think it's a nice little tone, tonal shift. And I love the way it just sort of like swells in. It's got like the moody score and then it just dun ring and then has like the little Christmas carol and then it fades back into the, you know, it's just like a little bright moment. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, it goes right into that like Marshall music of the It sounds like it could be from mm. an old World War II movie. And that then we get the you know, seemingly hapless limo driver going into action, you know? So I think it's a nice little (laughs) musical shift. Yeah. Well, we'll have to leave it to others to tell the listeners about what John McClane decides to do with that Christmas tape because... Wrap uh, a present. He's going to, yeah, maybe he's going to finish a present for you, Hans. (laughs) It's his dick in a box. Surprise. Dick in a box. Dick in a box. (laughs) So yeah, so then we, we, we do we cut down to the, 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 the parking garage or car park for the UK listeners. And um Argyle takes action, doesn't he? He uh-huh. does. And, He's fired. And, you, and I love the POV they did of that. It does look like a like a heat seeking missile almost, just like the hood of the car swinging around. And then the, the hood ornament on the car looks like it's just taking aim right at the center of the car yeah. of the van. Yeah. I love that little like those little visual cues. Yeah. Yeah, he's gonna not have his job anymore. We talking about? I don't. I don't McClane care. Will speak up for him. I don't. McClane I don't care. I really. I honestly think that whoever this limo driver guy's company is, he's gonna see that and be like, "You're out your goddamn mind. You should have waited. You should have let the cops do their job. You ruined mm-hmm. one of my best cars. You're fired." Mm-hmm. Oh, it is all his I, I first day on the job. I think you're underestimating the heroic status of everyone involved in the in the great Nakatomi. Heist. <laughs> like, we don't get to see what happens the next day here, but you got to know that this is like the biggest news story 
for for the whole week, you know, and everybody that was involved mm. as a hero, that limo that limo company would be ostracized, like if they fired, well, then they fired Argyle, the hero. Of he's Nagatomi. gonna fake it, pretend that he's doing a great job, and then not he's gonna fire him anyway. I think I have that no McClane, faith. I do not believe John McClane would allow this. I think he would go and see this. Hey, so you own that limo company, huh? What about my buddy Argyle? You and know, then as soon as he like, gets back to New York City, Argyle's kicked to the curb. So then John McClane calls uh, his, his buddy Al Powell and says, Hey, Al, that guy's fired Argyle again. But then Al has moved to Chicago with his family and his, starts... <laughs> well, we know that's not true because he uh, he's there for the call in Die Hard 2, so uh, <laughs> he's still around a year later. So at the very least, Al, Al's going to go write that guy parking tickets every day until he rehires Argyle. I'd like to think that mm-hmm. Argyle goes into uh, law enforcement afterwards. Or like uh, the, the nicer kind of law enforcement. FBI guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he, go, he becomes guy. an FBI guy. He's like, I'll be FBI. That's cool. Yeah. He goes and says, I hear you have a couple of job openings. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you lost your Johnsons. <laughs> I could be a Johnson. <laughs> My name is Argyle Johnson. I hear you have room for a couple of Johnsons. George, what did you what did you say this car was? It's a, a Lincoln, Lincoln Town car. So is it a limo? Well, yeah. Well, they make all sorts of cars into limos. What is a lim- What is a limousine? What does that mean? It's just stretch a long version of a normal car. Right, but it does could be any car. I mean, you see, I've seen them made out of Hummers. I've seen them made out of uh, mm. like a Chrysler three hundreds. Um, you you so, could yeah. Didn't they make one out of a Ferrari? Yeah, there's probably a Volkswagen. or a Lamborghini. It's some there's ridiculous a Volkswagen Bug. That's yeah, it's it's, it's a just a, basically the stretch version of any car. So limousine is not is not a brand. No, 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 no. It's a kind of car. Or, I mean, I I think it was right. originally. Didn't they? You know, I'm not an expert on the history of the word limousine, but wasn't yeah. it originally just a thing that took people about, like took people around? You called it that. It was like a carriage first. I think it even that sounds cars. right. Actually, I think I've heard that. But um, yeah. But now they're made by different companies. Yeah. Now it's just a kind of car. It's like a sedan. A limousine, a coupe, you know, it's just a, it's just Because even car, yeah, even sedans are considered a limo now. And then that's a stretch limo. Yeah. So there's such a thing as a stretch limo. Yes. And that is when it has more seats. So this limo is a stretch limo. And then other limos are, can just be a regular four-door sedan. Has I mean, anybody, uh, how many yeah. people here have ridden in a limo yeah. before? Whoa, hold, on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm very confused now. So a limousine doesn't have to be a long car. It can be like a like a like another Lincoln Town car, like modern. It's just basically it's like a chauffeur service, like a car I, service where so, you. Wait, what? So it's it about it's chauffeuring. De- yeah, the peer, it would appear that the definition is it's a car intended, built with the intention that it has a chauffeur, chauffeur and a partition. Between the driver right. and the riders. That's the definition of it. it right. Like, so, like, cabs like, are technically limos, which is why it's, uh, oh. like, they have... And then stretch limos are ones that can seat more people. Right. I see. Because I always just thought... Yeah. I, was, I, I always just thought lim- a limo was, like, a really long car. And that's I guess a stretch that's limousine. What, but that's... Now I've learned that that's a stretch limo. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Right. 
I've been in multiple. I'm pretty important. Mm. <laughs> we actually, going to prom, we had a, a, a limo van. So it was just a van with a bunch of seats in it. We, like, we were all sat in, like, in certain rows, but they messed up the number. So I had to sit shotgun with the driver. <laughs> so it was oh, just nice. the driver and I chatting all the way to prom while everyone else was in the back just, like, talking in their regular seats. And I was like, oh, this is fun. <laughs> Uh, just in case you guys want to know, the word limousine comes from the French word limousine, or maybe it is pronounced limousine. Um, mm. And it it's just limousine. Means limousine. It, it actually is a, a cloak that women would wear or people would wear, maybe not just women. And it's oh. then the car took the name because that was kind of the covering that covered the passenger part. Like the, the top of the limousine that covered the passenger part, the the first limousines, the driver's part was open, hmm. and then the back was a carriage, sort of like a stagecoach kind of thing, and then the, right. the top of the thing kind of resembled a cloak, so they started naming it uh, a limousine from that. That's according to Wikipedia. Aww. Thank you, Wikipedia. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Good stuff, and good stuff, Argyle. Um, he he slams into the side of this this. Uh, fire department ambulance and then he does, a, he does a nice little hop over the bonnet and then he does what I think is a very tricky looking punch through the window either that or Theo just has a glass jaw as long as he doesn't hit I, him I that they, hard they, no he yeah. if you look at if you like uh, go through it he reaches back and throws a full punch it's not a, like a an actual cross where you would go from the chin and just, you know what I He's mean? He's putting his he shoulder actually in there. Real, it's Everything. a haymaker. He goes all the way back and throws that fist right into him. So it would actually yeah. hurt quite a right. bit. Well, his jaw is right there. Dangerous. He catches him right in like the, the jawbone too, which has got to hurt like crazy. She would be in yeah. danger of hitting the car doing this. Like well, this is that's, not a, a traditionally accurate punch. Like it's usually kind of a wide, has like kind of wide mm. circle to it. And you could very easily just punch the car on accident trying to do this. That, that, oh. it, 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 which is exactly why though it was a tricky punch. I mean, he's got to be, he's got to do it straight. I don't know. I think our guy has probably got gotten a fight before. He maneuver. seems like he's got some like street knowledge to him. He's like, he's probably like, doesn't seen, matter. Seen a couple it, of scraps. It, it, it doesn't change the fact that it's a difficult punch. The fact that he can execute it is, is to Practice his credit. Practice makes perfect. Neil. Very much to his credit. Yeah. Through, Good job. He's really proud of himself window. after too. Yeah, he does. He does. I just, I, I would worry about like hurting my hand on like punching the, the steering wheel or the side of the window or something yeah, like that. Hand eye coordination yeah. issues, Neil. Just look where you're going to punch and punch. Hey, George, right, I'm not Neil, debating about Argyle's <laughs> skill. I'm talking about your <laughs> worries. I'm like, I might hit the, the car. It's like, well, just don't hit it. Just saying it's a tricky punch. It's not okay. straightforward. He's going to go through an open window into a the cabin of a ambulance you've got to punch a guy in the face that's not not I easy the, i think the only way to solve this is to put george in a car open the window and let neil punch him <laughs> oh, i'm pretty oh, sure neil will punch the side I've of the car i've thought about that several times <laughs> <laughs> can we take turns <laughs> <laughs> well he, he so, gets him good he's, he knocks him out breaks his glasses as well Maybe I like how Argyle's, de- I mean, uh, Theo's defense of the oncoming car is to shut the door again. Well, I, mm. I don't know what else you're supposed to do. <laughs> exactly. It's like, His it's just, it's just funny. He's like, oh, I should, I should close the door just in case. Cause that will stop this from happening or at least mitigate the damage a little bit. 
That's like a really impressive con- impact too, but with the with the smash of the limo and then like the way it crunches the 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 ambulance into the yeah. side of the, the loading dock, it's really impressive. I just yeah. want to know what was happening on set for the actor playing uh, Theo, because you know there was no car coming at him when they shot this reaction shot. But he gives such right, a right. he he does a like kind of look for a <laughs> second. It's really hilarious. It's pretty perfect. Yeah, it's All a this good job. is great. So with regards to Theo, I'm very disappointed that he doesn't pop up in any of the sequels. Yeah, he he's in prison. He goes to jail forever. Yeah, but he's a hacker. He should be able to like hack out. I mean, in, in Die Hard world, he should be able to figure out how to get out of a prison. Exactly. Or like the government, or if he came back, but as a good guy, because the government was like, "Hey, oh. we know you have skills. Let's yeah. let's do this. Let's work together." Oh, you're like, reminding me like of the a, the MacGyver reboot. <laughs> Well, there's the catch me, you know, the the real guy. What's his name? Catch, catch me if you can, guy. Uh, oh, Frank Abagnale Jr. Oh, Frank, yeah. Frank Abagnale, who was yeah, he went to work for the, and then he became yeah. an FBI agent because, or he worked for the FBI mm-hmm. at least because of his forgery skills. Oh, that's a sequel. We got the Theo sequel too. Die yeah, Hard. perfect. I think so. But it's like an offshoot sequel, like uh, like they did with Ender's Game. How they had like the like yeah. I don't know what you mean, George. They had one set of they had one set of books following Ender's character through the next you know several books, but then they also came back and did a secondary side shot that went off the other direction and followed another character. So basically, took the same series material and just redid the whole thing just from another perspective. Right there you go. Wow. Okay, so we we're gonna get now this guy, this other terrorist that we were talking about earlier, right, George? This is the guy that you were like, the no name guy. guy come from? I'm gonna tell you right now. This he gets a good punch much, in the face too, though. This is pretty much exactly what I looked like about this time. Um, <laughs> I'm not kidding. This is exactly what my hair looked like. Well, probably more oh, like really? 1990, 89 Fantastic. or 90. Um, I definitely had big eyebrows like that, and I <laughs> did wear like uh, paisley shirts. <laughs> so With this the- is really ah! close. But then this guy, even more specifically, looks like uh, some combination between Mark Paul Gosler and. Uh, John Krasinski or something like he's he's a young guy isn't he he looks yeah he looks like he's my was my age at the time this came out like he looks really young How did you also wear job? a brown belt with gray pants mm. and brown shoes probably probably they had like some guy lined up and then he couldn't do it or he got arrested or killed so they had to like bring and neither the man were man down so he just like gave somebody's kid brother a shot yeah someone's son was on set oh, so sad well so the assumption is this guy survives too so he probably goes to prison yeah, the only people that die in this, he's the, he's like the only terrorist. Him and Theo are the only ones who left alive. Yeah, because Huey Lewis definitely takes one to the to the dome here in a little while. Sorry to whoever's minutes those are. Ruined. Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, I, it's a good question, Crystal. How did he? How do we think this guy got wrapped up with uh, with this crew? He's you don't see guy. him do anything except no. drop the one thing he's in charge of. Well, he's obviously he cares about Carl, like. But yes. Carl's on the roof. Boyfriend. Carl's up there. Maybe he's Carl. Yeah. Uh, he's not another brother because then that would boyfriend. probably come up. Yeah, possibly. Boyfriend's good. Yeah. We'll go with boyfriend. Hetero flexible. His little boy toy. <laughs> so that's why he's in the group. He's like, yeah, we give Johan a try. Let's take him with us. Okay, Carl. <laughs> okay, Carl. Is whatever. Fine, whatever Carl. Carl wants. Whatever that's makes fine. Carl happy. Yeah. Well, he gets nasty. Uh, but gun butt in his face, doesn't he? And uh, 
really hits the ground pretty hard. And uh, we get a lovely shot of these bearer bonds, by the way. Um, I don't know if you guys know much about these things. Tell you, us about bearer bonds, you looked Neil. Up? Yeah, tell us about it. Well, it's again, it's 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 the 80s, and these were a thing up until about the 80s. Um, for 100 years or so, um, normally governments, um, and in your case, um, individual states, would be um, issuing these bonds, and they would be doing it in bearer form. Um, they stopped making these um, or stopped issuing bonds in such a way uh, because of from from money loan anti money laundering reasons because. The point of a bearer bond is that it's owned by whoever actually physically owns the piece of paper, holds the piece of paper. So the bearer of this bit of paper is the owner of the bond. There is no name on it. There is no record of who owns it. Um, It's just, hey, I I have it in my hand right now. If I want to sell it to you, I can sell it to you for this price or that price or whatever price we agree. Until I just snatch Uh, it out of your hand and run. Yeah, These are are specifically... Uh, And then it's yours. And these are Jesus. specifically referred to as negotiable bearer bonds in this movie, correct? Isn't that what Han yeah, says? Yeah, no, I don't know what the negotiable bit is. Well, you just um, said negotiable. You said I could sell it to you for this much or that much, right? Yeah, and, and but that would be inherent in in all bearer bonds. So, I mean, maybe that's just... Maybe he said non-negotiable. Maybe I'm not remembering correctly. But is that not something that people would usually say about them? No, I don't think that really is something that, would, that you would really say about Oh, either negotiable or negotiable, because they really are just bearer bonds, and that's what they are. It's owned by whoever holds it, and you can. There's a face value on it, so that would kind of start to drive the price. Um, and you can see, um, you see, you can see the big certificate, and then on uh, on the right hand side of it, so the left as we look at it, you can see the little individual coupons, and these would be for you to redeem. To um to make sure you got your interest payment from whoever had issued the bond, so if it was uh this this uh, the state if it was the state of Wisconsin, given we're talking about Wisconsin, who issued this bond, every six months they would pay um an interest amount and it would be a um, a fixed amount and it would be written on that little coupon how much you would get, and so for every one of those maybe it would be like I don't know seven cents or something like that, so for every one of these. Um, of which, of course, there are thousands of these things that these guys are stealing, right? They would have to cut out or tear off one each, uh, one little coupon from each one and go along uh, to the office that was uh, distributing it from, the, from the, that state's um, treasury, and they would have to hand it in, and then for each one of those they handed in, they would get seven cents or whatever the amount was. Yeah, I remember it being a big deal in Mission Impossible that the coupons still be attached in the bearer bonds because apparently they were still a thing. Yeah, coupons still attached. Yeah, that's how you get your return. Interesting. So that's very interesting. Technically, lottery tickets are bearer bonds, right? Because you know, you buy it; it's a it's a non-negotiable instrument, and like it's worth it. And but basically, anyone who turns it in is the one that can cash in the money. I don't think I'd ever want a bearer bond. That's too scary. It's like the most <laughs> finders keeper thing of all finders keepers. Well, don't lose it. Well, that's not cash, you don't know my life. Cash is also that way, but yeah. Yeah, but I that's guess. that's different because it's yeah. Like I'm always losing cash. <laughs> yeah. Because I buy things with it and it gets lost. She's, she's a baller. <laughs> she's hardcore like that. It's well, no, no, so now Neil, here's another question. Maybe sorry mm. if you answered it. I was doing a little research to make sure he does say negotiable bearer bonds. Okay. Um, so I might have missed if you said this, but. You said they ceased to be issued in the 80s? 
Mm. Well, what happened to them? Like they were still valuable, correct? Like if you held the bear bond, it didn't cease to have value, yeah. or did you have to turn them in for some other form of payment? And, and I think it's just probably, like you. If you if they so, still make like you know five hundred dollar bills, I think, but it, you don't. You, they're in circulation some places, but I mean, I think after a point, they they don't make them anymore. Well, I've got the actual answer. Uh, um, so right, so they don't. Uh, there are currently about a hundred million. U.S. dollars worth of um, bearer bonds currently out there that have been issued and that are that are still uh, still good, right? Okay. Um, all the rest have expired because they have um, expiry dates. Uh, you don't issue an endless bond; it will be a twenty-year, thirty-year, fifty-year bond, whatever it is. Um, but yeah, there are some still currently out there, about a hundred million dollars worth that have yet to be redeemed. Because what happens is, you know, this is a way for uh, for states to raise money, right? Um, yeah. So, you know, not just the coupon for the interest payment, but actually at the expiry of the bond, you have to hand the certificate back in and then you get your uh, face value back, which is a lot more than the coupon. So also, I mean, I, this would never be what Hans would do with it, right? Because you have to actually then be there in physical form. But he would just basically sell these to someone else. That would be yeah. my thoughts about what his plan was for these bearer bonds. Yeah, like, yeah maybe take a slight loss on them for the bulk of the money, and then like you know, mm. yeah, to make yeah. it attractive. Like so, they're like a hundred thousand dollar bearer bond. He sells it for seventy five thousand each, and then you know, mm-hmm. pockets the rest. I'm curious who he would sell them to. Like, who would be someone that? Another country thing, uses leverage, We know that you know? this money's that we, yeah we know this money's missing. So if uh, mm. well or I guess the idea is supposed to be that the money, these bearer bonds are destroyed in his plan, correct? Yes. So um, now then, when those bonds went back into circulation, if he sold them to somebody, wouldn't that raise a red flag? Wouldn't people be like, oh well, I don't know? Wouldn't they know that there was still these bearer bonds in circulation? Or does that not make sense? I'm just like thinking. Off the would, I think back in the the 80s, you could probably get away with that a lot easier. Like you would have to physically sit down with the bearer bonds and compare them to a list of things that were supposedly destroyed to figure it out. So if you went to Antigua or something like that and sold them to a bank there and they gave you like $100,000 per and then you, you just shopped them around to you got rid of them and distributed them that you wouldn't wind up with like, you know, the feds breathing down your neck. These days with everything computerized, that's probably impossible like you can't even sell stolen notes from a bank heist anymore because all the serial numbers are digitally logged and they'll show up and they'll be flagged yeah that's that's what i was wondering too is if are they do they even exist now because i feel like with technology it would just it'd become an online thing where now you have it and it's now it's, yours now it's bitcoin yeah it's now it's bitcoin. They don't, yeah yeah they they stopped making these in the 80s um oh, okay because people were using them for money laundering, basically. Yeah, I can't picture these being around. I mean, not that, not just because I haven't heard of them recently. I think maybe but, like today, like if that was a thing, you could use them in a legal sense, but it would just be hard to do illegal things with them, like sell them and steal them and trade them and that sort of thing. Are they worth more of, now because they don't exist as much? I don't think they're worth anything now. Like if you found one, I, maybe if you found one, you would still be able to get the face value on it, but... Or like uh, well, the look. history side, like a Pawn Stars type thing. They're like, what is this from the 80s? This is worth $30. I think it would be a pretty cool right? thing to have. I mean, they would, yeah. The, yeah, so they do expire. So as I said, right now, there's there's about $100 million worth of like active life bonds still out there. Um, 
but they will all expire at some point as well. I just think that it would be a really cool thing to have. I would put in a frame, put them on the wall. It'd be really yeah, cool. I'm wondering if they just like, even if they're expired, if they still have a mm. worth, like how yeah, Star possibly. Wars comic books or action comic mm. books do. Yeah, possibly. Especially with the coupons attached. Yeah, have to have the coupons attached. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that kind of almost takes us to the end of our minute, uh, but we do just have... One more thing going on here. So, uh, round the corner, Bruce Willis comes. And what does he say, George? <laughs> Hans! 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 That's great. Such a great moment. Oh, it's brilliant. Yeah, and then I love Hans's response. He's so cool and collected, isn't he? Just I've been waiting for you, McLean. Like, I see wife. you, cowboy. Yeah. <laughs> just pulls Holly out, pulls his gun out, and just, just looking at Bruce the whole time. Can't take his eyes off him. Yeah, it's it, actually it's a really nice little moment to end off our week. I think. Yeah, so I think it's a great tableau because yeah. you have like this them the way they're lit. I think is great with like the warm light mm. coming in from off off camera and like the weird gray gradient from the wall. And I think it's just a great shot. Yeah. Yeah. So again, I think this would be there. a really fun Christmas card to do. Yes, it would. Like to recreate? Yeah, or recreate this for photo for a Christmas card. Yeah. Nice. So you have to get a Huey Lewis guy in the background? You just yes. get somebody to put a wig on. No, you have to get actual Huey Lewis. Huey Lewis. <laughs> yeah, well, you tweet Huey Lewis, George. And, uh, I'll see what I can do. From there. Yeah, I'll see what we can do. It'd be good to do with a with a kid. Have the kid be Huey Lewis in the back. That's what I was thinking. Put like the mm. sort of like the mullety wig on the kid and have him standing there in like a three piece vest suit, not a waistcoat. <laughs> nice. Well, do you guys um, anything else you want to talk about? Any other things you want to mention? Die Hard. Yeah, I'm it's great. I'm, I'm good. You're good, George. I I'm good as well. Joe. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah. We're all good. I'm good too. We're all fine here. here. <laughs> How, are How are you? How are you? <laughs> well, it's been a great fun week. Thanks, guys, for coming along and sharing it with us. Thanks um, for inviting us. Oh, it's our pleasure. Absolutely our pleasure. And uh, who's up next, George? Do we know? I'm not sure. Next week? Next week? Yeah. I have no idea. No idea. <laughs> I bet they're going to be great, though. Be fantastic. So, whoever you are, good luck. And good night. Yeah. And go to diehardminute.com. Go to moviesbyminutes.com. Go, go to, to mogwyminute.com. Go to alien, oh, yeah. alienminute.com. Charles? Alienminute.com. Yeah, you never changed it? Yeah. No, you didn't have the yes. Alienminute.com or thefifthelementminute.com. We all have websites. Yeah. We do. <laughs> we're modern folk. That means we're us. humans in this era. Yeah, we're, we're human. normal humans. If you have a website, citizen. just get the hell out. Hey, girl, let me get them <laughs> URLs. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and come back next week, listeners, uh, for more of the same. And we will close out with a. Hans! <laughs> thought that was a yawn at first. <laughs> <laughs> it was half yawn. Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> Yeah.
tell me you got that. I got it, I got it. Hit your heart on Channel 5. 